Hey, everybody. Welcome to the World Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that this message blesses you, inspires you, and more than anything, helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus. For more information and resources, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. Father, we invite you here. You are here already, but we invite you here, God, to come and move. And Lord, I ask that people would encounter you today. Lord, I ask that my words would be your words. I ask that you'd speak, inspire, move here, and help us to leave on another level, God. Whatever it is that people are struggling with, going through whatever, that they leave here knowing that you are going to help them, that, you, that they are going to come out of things that they're going to live at a higher level because you're faithful. You are good. In Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. Okay. So I'm going to read this because I don't want to butcher it. Are you ready? During Sunday school, during a Sunday school lesson, a child learned about how God created human beings. The child became especially focused when the teacher explained how Eve was created from Adam's rib. Later in the week, the boy's mother saw him laying down on the floor. So she asked him, what's wrong? Mom, I have a pain in my side. I think God has given me a wife. I don't know about this one, but we'll, let a, we'll, we'll try to let this go here. A little girl finally got to attend a wedding for the first time. While at church, the girl asked her mother, Why is the bride dressed in white? The mother replied, Because white is the color of happiness. It's the happiest day of her life. White is the color of happiness. So the little girl thought for a moment. She was quiet. And then she says to her mother, But then, why is the groom wearing black? not scripture. It's just funny. Just, just relax a little. It's just, just funny. Okay. As Sierra said, we are in, uh, as she made reference to the negativity fast. How many are doing a good job with that? That's right. That's good. Okay. We have two hands. That's good. That's great. We should extend this out for a year, maybe. Uh, remember to be thankful. Say, be thankful. No grumbling or negative talk. We can do this thing, right? I remember one time a couple, they said, oh, please come pray for our house. There's so much bitterness in our house. There's so much anger in our house. And I said, you want me to come pray for your house? Yes, it's the house. So I went and prayed for the house, and it didn't get much better. So I was wondering if it's the anointing on my life or they're not dealing with things. So he began to deal with them, and guess what? It wasn't the house. God resolved it. Um, speaking words of hope and faith and encouraging those around you is so important. How many know that encouragement is priceless? You know when you're going through a really bad time in marriage and you just think it's over and someone, some sweet old grandpa or grandmother nestles up to you and begins to speak words of hope and encouragement into you? How many know that it, it matters? All of a sudden, you start getting hope again. You stop blaming the world. You take responsibility. You step into some, some good wisdom, and God can heal a relationship. Amen? All right. So speak words of hope and faith and encouraging those 
around you. Those are the, the four things that we're doing on this negativity fast. I think that's, that's good. I, I felt led to speak on a, a topic today that I think could benefit all of us, and it's going to be a little different, but I think it's perfect for this time of year. And I'm going to give you some keys, but the Lord said to talk about finances. He said, just really lavish into this prosperity gospel. Just, you know. No, but the prosperity gospel, there, there is, some of that has been augmented, and it, and it became the focus to get rich. Do you know what I'm saying? It was off kilter. It was, it, was, it, was, it was out of balance. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. It was out of balance. But there is true... Uh, there is truth um, from the Scripture on this area. And that's what I want to investigate today. I want to go through, I'm going to give you some points. First of all, I want to shatter some strongholds and, and tear down some misconcepts. And I want to uh, build uh, some, some ideas here, build some things on solid ground, on truth, what the Bible actually says. Amen? And, you know, if you build your house on a rock, it can stand. If you build on sand, it's not going to stand. If you build your finances on the rock, they're going to stand. Amen? If you build your finances on sand, when the winds and the wave come, it's going to be a mess. But there is biblical truth in this, and I think this is something that's going to be refreshing and good for us, and it's going to be refreshing and good for your friends. People need to know that... The Bible says, for my God shall supply all of my needs. Amen. One of the great benefits of, of getting uh, to know Jesus Christ, when you become a Christian, he becomes your papa. He becomes your provider. You might have to learn some stewardship things, but he's going to mentor you. He's going to guide you. He wants you to live a stable, healthy life. Right? You guys Okay. You know, some people will fight to be poor. They'll fight you for poverty. They will. You, I'm, I'm going to give you a scripture, and you're gonna, we're going to see who has a religious spirit in here. Ready? All right, I'm going to read a few of them here. All right. Psalms 37, 19. It says, In the time of evil they will not be ashamed, and in the days of famine, they will be satisfied. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine, they will have more than enough. If you're struggling financially, you should write down Psalms 37, 19, Put it on the dash of your car. Put it on the mirror when you get ready in the morning. Put it next to your nightstand so you read it before you go to bed. That God can bless you. Amen? I didn't hear anybody squeal on that one, so that's, that's good. Let's go to another one. Uh, this is uh, Genesis 26, 12 through 14. It says, then Isaac sowed in the land, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. See, it's interesting. It says, the Lord blessed him. The Lord. Say, the Lord, the Lord. is going to bless me. It says, the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering, until he became very prosperous. Now, someone's mad at God for talking about prosperity. Now, I want you to get this in your heart again. Then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. How many know that if God gives you a business idea, you might have to do some work? Was it... Uh, trying to remember the president during the, uh, what was his name? During the Great Depression. 
Roosevelt. I was thinking Roosevelt, but uh, yeah, uh, they were saying, you know, there's no opportunity anywhere. And he said, there's opportunity everywhere. It's just dressed in overalls and looks like work. Before the Great Depression, there was a lot of prosperity. There was a lot of good things going on, and all of a sudden, things began to cave in. People weren't used to working. When I was in college, I'm going to bore you with some, you know, uh, some, some personal struggle, but we didn't have any money. We didn't have any money. I remember uh, we had a friend, Char, was, she brought this up a while ago uh, when she was preaching, but she talked about how one of the, the, the people we worked with at the school bus barn where we drove school bus, uh, he started giving us some food once in a while, like some chicken and stuff. Man, we thought we were in heaven. He gave us a grill. We were like, hallelujah. We are, we are moving on up. <laughs> That's right. We can eat a whole chicken. That's right. No wings for us. Um, but it's interesting that God helped us through people. Amen? God, God helped us. And uh, as we were faithful to the Lord, God began to open up opportunity. But she babysat and she worked at the school bus barn, driving school bus. I drove school bus and uh, I did electrical on the side and I worked on campus. Now, that didn't give me any time for social time, but it paid off our college. I'm told a lot when I'm counseling people when they say they're struggling financially, and I say, well, how many hours do you work a week? Well, I work about 10. <laughs> like, then you got something going on I don't understand. Um, there's nothing wrong with hard work. Amen? There's nothing wrong with hard work. The Bible says that poverty will chase, I'm just paraphrasing, but poverty will chase laziness. Poverty will chase down laziness. And sometimes uh, we need to have balance as Americans because we can work too much sometimes. We have to find that sweet spot. But hard work is not an enemy. Amen? The Bible says he blessed the work of their hands. 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 That meant that they had to work. Is that word still acceptable today? I think if I put that on TikTok or Facebook, I think it would probably block out the screen, you know. <laughs> Sorry, sensitive content, you know. I said the word work. All right, so let's, let's hit a few of these. Genesis 26, 12 through 14, it says, Then Isaac sowed in the land, and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now, is he taking advantage of anyone here? No, it says the Lord blessed him. He's not swindling anything. He's, he's, the, he's working, and the Lord blessed him. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very... It's hard to say in church, isn't it? Very prosperous. For he had possessions of flocks and possessions of herds, and a great number of servants, so the Philistines envied him. Now, isn't that interesting? Um, Abraham was blessed. The Bible says that he was to be blessed to be a blessing. Amen? When God blesses your life, he doesn't want you to hoard it. He wants you to be a blessing to your neighbors. As a Christian on your block, when someone walks by and they don't have shoes for their children and they pass by your house, you should be the house of blessing. Amen? And we buy the, the child shoes because we know, first of all, God loves people and he wants us to mirror what he has done for us. He's provided for me, I'm going to provide for that child. And by doing that, we know that God will reward us and pay us back. Amen? That's just how it works. All right, in Luke 12, 27, here's a great scripture, Luke 12, 27. We're going to go through a lot of scripture. Luke 12, 27, it says, consider the lilies. Remember this? Consider them. And then what else did he say? Consider the birds of the air. And why is that? 
God takes care of them. I'd like you to put your hand on your chest and say, God will take care of me. He's going to bless the work of my hands. All right, let's go to Philippians 4.19. Philippians 4.19. This is a good scripture. <laughs> Philippians 4.19. Now, is this all scripture so far? Isn't it interesting that you've got a group out there, this, this uh, gay agenda, uh, that's one big movement out there, and they're raising hundreds of millions of dollars to campaign their fund, or to fund their campaign, right? Hundreds of millions of dollars. And then you've got another group out here that is, that is raising money to, to legalize and to maintain this thing of abortion. Hundreds of millions of dollars. But when the church talks about prosperity or raising money for something, the world comes in and says, that's evil. Oh, that's evil. Keep them poor and keep them broke. Take away their influence. It's a big lie of the devil. It's a big lie of the devil. Christians should have these mega funds to promote morality and to promote Christ. Amen? We should have these funds that are pulled together that when you touch, you infringe upon the right of a Christian, that, that fund is released. Lawyers come. Amen? But that ain't never going to happen if they're as broke as a joke. So they're raising money, but when the church moves in an area at all and touches that area, shame comes. Oh, it's holy to be poor. It, it was never holy to be poor. It was never holy to be poor. We could give a church history lesson here, but there was a number of reasons why the vow of poverty came in and, and had a lot to do. I just don't even want to go here. But it had a lot to do with the early, uh, about the 600s, 700s, where the Catholic Church was beginning to raise money for cathedrals all over the world. And the priests were loved. They were good men, and uh, they had families. And uh, this is just church history. And what happened was a lot of the money that would, when somebody would die in the village, they would give money to the, the priest. And they would get a portion of that. And so they wanted to change some of these things up. And they made a decision, and they said, from now on, priests will no longer be married, and they have to take a vow of poverty, so they own no possessions, they're only married to, to God, and they will take a vow of poverty that they will no longer have possessions. So anything that is left to the priest will actually go back to the Catholic Church. So that's where that came from. There was, now there was other vows of, of a holy lifestyle, and, and I understand all that. But the vow of poverty began to come in, and people began to say it's a virtue to be poor. I would like you to try to find that in the Bible anywhere. It is not in there. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. But to be dirt poor, in the Old Testament, it was always a sign that there was something wrong. The people were in rebellion. They were against God. You see what I'm saying? It's a misconcept, and that thing needs to be shattered. Now, it's not all about money, and that's where the prosperity gospel went wrong. The Bible says that you have to either give your heart to God or to mammon. Mammon meaning money. So uh, we don't worship money. The question is, do you worship God or do you worship money? What has your heart? If God has your heart, He can bless you and He can bring influence into your life to, uh, to influence the community. 
to be blessed to be a blessing. You guys okay? Are you following the logic here? So there, was, there are no scriptures in the Bible that talk about the blessings of being dirt poor. If your church is dirt poor, then it's, it's a struggle, and it's, it's like there should be faith to keep the lights on. Amen? We pray over the finances here. Uh, I do, and the staff does, and uh, I believe the elders and everyone. But we have numbers that we pray and we believe for. And uh, sometimes we have to fast, we have to pray, whatever. And, and, and we want God to bless the people. And so they're blessed. They're an influence into their community. But the bills aren't paid in this church based on people. They're based upon faith in Almighty God. I'm just saying. If we have to convince people to give to keep the lights on, that's a misunderstanding. God is the one who initiates. God is the one that provides for my needs. Amen? Now, he uses people. That's good. But he also used a fish. None of you look like fish. Most of you. You guys okay? All right, Philippians 4.19. We're just getting started. 4.19. It says, And my God shall supply all your needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Are you serving a poor God? No. So if I'm, in, if I'm in business and I'm going through a hard season and I start quoting this over my business and I start seeking the Lord, praying, fasting, whatever it takes to get a hold of Him and say, Lord, you said you would provide, but this isn't working out. I know that you're not broke. There's nothing wrong with you. So show me what I need to do. And you begin to pray and wait on the Lord. And all of a sudden, he speaks to you and gives you wisdom. Or he opens the door to a contact that brings in a season of increase. That's the beauty of walking with God. My God shall supply all my needs. I love spending time with Sheldon and Elaine. Uh, they have hundreds of stories from the mission field. When one time their car burnt it caught on fire. And do uh, you remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Elaine was sick of that car, so she lit it on fire. Remember that story? <laughs> Something like that. So they're praying, and the next thing you know, somebody, I mean, they, they have another vehicle. It's, it's the wildest thing when you have faith in God for finance. They were working with a church a number of months ago, and... Uh, they needed some materials. What was the last one you did? You guys built an expansion or something? Yes. And did the money come in? Yes. Yeah. Isn't that something? $80,000 in the midst of a poor area. Just say amen. You see, my God shall supply all my needs. All right. So Abraham was blessed. Isaac was blessed. Solomon was kind of blessed. It's interesting when you read the life of Solomon at that time, we see that Israel always had the potential to be blessed, but they didn't step in the blessing until the time of Solomon. They always had that potential but once Solomon stepped into that position and honored God and God gave him wisdom, what, what brought the wealth? Wisdom. Sometimes we need to pray for wisdom. Wisdom in our finances, wisdom in our businesses, wisdom in whatever. And God brought in tremendous, tremendous wealth. He didn't drop gold from heaven. They were the same people that were there the day before and the day after. What changed? Insight. 
insight. Insight. Sometimes we want to, you know, have a business, but we don't want to put in the time to study finances or accounting. And the Lord keeps putting it on your heart. And, and sometimes we have to do the work to gain the insight. It's quiet in here. I like this. Henry Ford said this. He said, you can take my factories, burn up my buildings, but give me my people, and I'll build the business right back. Why? Because there were things in him that all he had to do is show up, and those things that were in them began to manifest. There was something, he, he wasn't even a Christian, if I remember right. Maybe he died a Christian, I don't know. But he had some insight, and he had some wisdom, and God blessed that company. It paid for many, many, many people's uh, families to, to work there, you know, paid their bills. Isn't that good? All right. Deuteronomy 8.18, it says this. This is the Amplified. But you shall remember the Lord your God, and it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may establish His covenant, which He swore to your fathers, as it is this day. I want you to get this in here, in your heart. And it says, remember the Lord your God. It is He that gives you the power to what? To get wealth. Not rich. It's interesting. He didn't use the word rich. He used the word wealth. Big difference. Big difference. Big difference. God doesn't want rich people. He wants wealthy people. We're going to get into that in just a second. The average American debt is $96,000. The U.S. Uh, debt right now is $30 trillion. It's, it's gone up quite a bit in a couple years. It has. You can't print money and expect the price of bread not to go up. That's not good wisdom. The more that you have of something, the more gold you have, the less the value. The more, you know, the, the rarer it is, the, the more valuable it becomes. Does that make sense? And when we keep printing money as a nation, that money is losing its value. Pretty soon it takes $2 to do what a dollar did. A lot of these socialistic nations in the world suffer with that. They see quick prosperity if they can just maneuver into this area. And then they achieve that. And then uh, a year later, they're all poor. And the economy bursts. There's not enough money to fund the machines, so they start printing money to fund all these special, you know, free college, free this, free that, free this. And pretty soon the people are saying, free us from all this. And the dictator on the top is lavishly wealthy. Isn't that something? It's a broken system. It's a broken system. All right, the average uh, debt is 135000 Credit card debt is somewhere around, the average is around $7,000. Uh, you need to get rid of your credit cards if you maintain that kind of debt. You will never win. If you pay the minimum payment on your credit card, let's say you have $7,000 in credit card debt. Here's something for the young people or the older. If you have $7,000 in your credit card and you pay the minimum payment, guess how long it'll take you to pay that off? Pretty much never. You will make interest payments to them, this is how they make billions of dollars. They have those huge skyscrapers that says U.S. Bank on them. They make and build those things based on your credit card interest payments. It is the greatest money maker in the American history. Isn't that something? 20% interest, 18%, whatever it is. You get... You know, 150 million, 200 million people all with a credit card making payments and you can build a stadium and have sports teams come and everybody's cheering. Get rid of the credit cards if you can't pay them off every month. Just say amen. amen. You go down and you go Black Friday shopping. 
black and blue shopping, I mean. I was watching a video, it was on Facebook or something, of these two guys fighting in Chicago or somewhere over a TV, and then finally the one guy drops it on the ground, and now this is really funny. But if you buy a television with that credit card, and it's the best deal in the world, it's $4.95 for the biggest whiz-bang TV, you get 15% off or whatever, 20%, 30%, don't matter, let's say 80%, and you buy it on that credit card, $400, $500, whatever it is, and then you make the minimum payment, that television, that purchase for that television, by the time you pay that off, you could probably buy 10 of them. Impulse buying is one of the, I don't know, there's all kinds of staggering statistics about impulse buying, and it doesn't help you at all. You buy a gadget, you, you have to have it, you play with it for two days, and then you put it on a shelf. Say wisdom. wisdom. All right, I want to get into a few more things here. Uh, I want to, let's go to 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. You know, there are companies that you can call and they will help you get out of your credit card debt. And it's really important to call them if you're struggling. You can negotiate. If you have, say, $8,000, $10,000, they will help you. Uh, they will assist you. You have to pay them for this. But they will take and they will negotiate with the bank, and they can drop it by a staggering amount just by making that phone call. Isn't that something? Say wisdom. Okay. 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19. Commend those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. So if you're rich, what, are you not, what, are you, what should you not be? Okay. God doesn't like that. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant. Not to be arrogant. Just if you think there's someone arrogant in here, just point at him. We're going to pray for him. Here, command those that are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth. Their hope should be in God, not in their pocketbook. Right? It, why? Because it says here it's uncertain. You can. Be up one day and crash the next if your hope is in your money. You ever been there? You ever lose money? You ever been, you know, have you ever had anything stolen? That's a bummer. And it says, don't be arrogant. Don't put your hope in your wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our what? Enjoyment. Now, this is, this is kind of a strange scripture, and I want you to get this in your heart. Because, again, when you're talking about the poverty mentality, or the, like the, the people can make fun of the prosperity movement, that somehow that is holy to be poor, I want you to get this scripture in your heart. It says, But to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Really? You think of the home you live in. God was excited the day you moved into that thing. He loved your sense of enjoyment. He's a good papa. Amen? All right. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Isn't that a bizarre statement? If poverty is holy, then this doesn't make any sense. Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Commend them to do good. To be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, 
they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So that's a very good scripture, that God wants to bless you and he wants you to enjoy those blessings. Another scripture says this, the blessings of God are good and he adds no sorrow to them. It's very hard to have faith in God for finances if you think finances are evil. It's very hard to have faith in God for finances if you think finances are evil. You guys okay? Maybe we should raise a dead person or something. (laughs) Command some blind eyes to be healed. You know, I, I remember as a kid, I always used to always just read those stories of people, you know, in the Bible about miracles until we began to see them. And, and it was the most, I don't know, just life-altering thing. All of a sudden, when you realize that this God that you're reading about actually does what he says, and he'll do the same with finance. I want you to put your hand on your heart again. And say this, my God God will free me me from my debt. debt. I want you to believe that. There's chains breaking just by making that declaration. Amen? All right. Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, it says, He was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. It's called the great exchange. He took my shame, I took his glory. He took my poverty, he gave me his riches. It doesn't mean that all of us are going to drive a Tesla or have a mansion. That's not what he's talking about. But you should be blessed enough to have more than enough. To have more than enough. That's the biblical principle. More than enough. More than enough. Say more than enough. (laughs) All right. I like this story of uh, a young man. He started Colgate Corporation. You know the Colgate that you brush your teeth with? His parents during the Great Depression, they were so poor that he had to leave the family. Can you imagine sending your 16-year-old off? He had a stick and he had a little bag tied to the end of the stick, just like in the old movies. That's what he did. And he went off and he got on a ferry over by New York. And the captain was a Christian man. This is an interesting thing. This is what the man, the, this man actually prophesied over him. He didn't know what to do. And the man was moved and he looked at this young man and the young man said, oh, he said, what do you know how to do in life? He says, the only thing I know how to do is make soap. And he prophesied over him and he said, someone will soon be the leading soap maker in New York. You can be that person. But you must never lose sight of the fact that the soap you make has been given to you by God. Honor Him by sharing what you earn. Begin by tithing all that you receive. That's what He told the man. Isn't that powerful? He went back. He went to New York. He started working for a man man, until he could... Uh, until he had some money, and then he began to build that company, and he built one of the largest soap companies in the world. Why? He was inspired by a prophetic word over his life. Just say amen. Amen. You see, God can take nothing and make it into something. Maybe you hate your job. Pray and fast and ask the Lord, do I need to stay or do I need to go? And when the Lord begins to speak to you, then do it with all your heart. 
If it's to stay, then make that company into the greatest company ever. Make your boss so prosperous that he wants to take care of you at all costs. Martin Luther King Jr. said, if you're going to be a street sweeper, then be the best street sweeper there has ever been in this world. The Bible says the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said, I've done everything. I've kept all the commandments. And he said, yes, you have. He said, but there's one thing that you lack. He says, sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. Woo! He was so excited. Wow, that's my word. Yes! All the family inheritance, all the money he had. He looked at Jesus and he thought, I cannot do that. See, that's the only place where it says that he asked the man to sell everything. But the problem was, here this man must have been very talented. He had tremendous potential. And Jesus saw that there was this thing of money in the way of his potential. And if he could get him past the money, he could, have, he could have been a disciple. He could have been one of the great apostles. He could have taken a nation for Jesus. And Jesus had the wisdom, the insight, and he said, money for this man is a barrier. Does money have you or do you have the money? I want to give you another insight here. Chris Ballatin wrote a book called Poverty, Riches, and Wealth. I want to encourage you all to read it. In there, he talks about how he was asked to minister, I'm sorry, to come and lead the Bethel School of Ministry. He had uh, auto parts stores and he had mechanic shops where he was living and he was going to give it up and go and run that college. Uh, so they prayed about it, and they put the business up for sale. Somebody was going to purchase it. They actually started that process. And now here's, here's an interesting thing. All these parts stores, all these mechanic shops, he, is, he was doing very well. But he was a minister, and he was working uh, bivocationally, and the Lord put it on his heart to, to go and take that college. So... He put that thing up for sale. A big conglomerate bought it. And before the thing was through, they started having some legal issues. Now, when this thing was uh, in process, he would have made about $240,000 off the transaction. That's a pretty good day. The company goes bankrupt, and everything is tied up for months and months and months, and when it's finally settled, uh, he owed $1.8 million to all his creditors. He went from $240,000 in the positive, and then with all the legal fees and all the things going on, he ended up uh, in debt $1.8 million. How many know that that's a bad day? And he, because he had the $240,000, he thought, he thought he didn't have to take a salary for the first year or two to help get the school going. So he has zero income. How much is zero? Zero is not my hero. So he goes to the church and he meets with the elders and he pours out his heart and he starts crying and he starts you know, he's telling him, hey, I had all this faith when I came here, and I thought everything was going well. He said, now I owe almost $2 million, and I have zero income. I don't know what to do. I think I'm going to have to go in business again, start businesses, try to somehow leverage that to get out of debt, to get out of what God called him to do. One of the elders, the oldest elder there, uh, stood up, and he said, he said, um, I feel in my heart that you're not to claim bankruptcy, and you're not to start another business. You're to do what God told you to do. He said, I can't. He said, I think you're to do what God told you to do. He said, I can't. He said, I said, 
you are to do what God told you to do. If you don't have the faith for it, then use mine. He said, give us six months to pray and fast for you and see what happens. Now, now watch this. 1.8 million. They're praying and fasting for him. Two months later, the bank calls and says, we had a meeting. We don't know why, but it was brought up, and we're going to forgive you $950,000 of that debt. Out of the blue. See, who do we trust in, our own skill or in God? This is the great hope. God can save my soul, but he also can help me in my life. $950,000. Then, uh, I, I just want to shorten this. The SBA called and said, uh, that they wanted him to make an offer to them and they were willing to negotiate for the rest of the debt, uh, $320,000 uh, that he owed at that time. And he said, I don't have any money. They said, oh, here's the thing. The banker now that's working the foreclosure and all that, he spent time with Chris. He fell in love with Jesus and got saved. This guy that's taken his house and all the stuff. He taught him to pray. He taught him how to hear the voice of God. He's at a bank meeting, and he brings this thing up about debt forgiveness. There's an allotted amount that they do every year or whatever. And they pick him, and they said, just make us an offer and see if we can bring it to the board and get this thing passed. He says, I don't have any money. I don't have nothing. I have zero. I can't even buy shoes. He said, just make me an offer. He says, $11,000. He says, okay. They go back. They meet a couple weeks later. They call him up, and they said, we took it. He said, that's awesome. I don't have any money. <laughs> he said, you don't have any money? He said, I said, I don't have any money. He says, we're going to give you 30 days. And he says, if you can pay this off, you'll have zero debt. $1.8 million to zero. So he's praying and he goes to these prayer meetings on the church campus. He's laying out before God. Oh, God, there's got to be a way. Lord, there's a has See the difference? When you don't have faith, you have anxiety. When you have faith, you know all you have to do is touch the heart of God. Touch the hem of his garment. Hear a word from God and everything can change. Credit card debt, it don't matter. You can call it anything you want. If you have faith in God, God can figure it out. Business is struggling? Get a hold of God. Touch the hem of his garment. Pull that miracle from him. He'll be glad to bless you. He goes to the prayer meeting. He's laying there with all the people. Bill Johnson was there. And a, a guy slipped a piece of paper in Bill Johnson's shirt pocket and walked out of the, the prayer meeting. Bill Johnson looked at it, and it was a check to Chris Valentin. He walked over, and he, put it in, he pulled Chris off the floor, and he put it in his shirt. And uh, he looked at it, and he jumped up and down. He was crying in the meeting, and he said, $3,000. He said, that's incredible. He said, I'm, I'm closer to my goal. And he's jumping up and down, and he's so thankful. And Bill taps him again, and he says, this is in his book. He says, uh, read it again. He looks at it, and it's $30,000. He pays off all his debt, the bank, and he still has money left over to get caught up on other things, groceries, whatever, housing expenses, and all of that was done within six months. Say amen. amen. My God shall supply all my needs. Isn't that a good story? You don't have faith? The old... <laughs> Elder said, then use my faith. 
And they prayed and fasted for him to have a breakthrough. And God began to connect the dots. That's the difference. We're not on our own. We're not without hope. We're not like the heathen. You know, famous movie stars and actors are up there and everything's great till it's great. I just read the, the story of Matthew Perry. You guys know who that is? He was on Friends. Oh, he was great. Millionaire. Woo! I loved some of his movies. They were funny. He was living the life. But behind the scenes, he was a drug addict, an alcoholic. His life was a disaster. Until, what was that, about a year ago, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Now he's on talk shows talking about Jesus Christ was the only, only true thing that brought fulfillment into his life. All right. Rich versus wealthy. Rich people work for money while wealthy people's money works for them. Rich people think that their ass- think of their assets, but wealthy people dream of legacy. Rich people give to people. Wealthy people invest into people. Rich people step on others to move up. Wealthy people measure success by the people they help up. Amen. Poverty. Poverty finds a problem in every opportunity, while wealth finds an opportunity in every problem. You know, if you start helping others get out of debt, God is going to help you. Poverty feels entitled while wealth feels empowered. Poverty asks, what are you going to do for me? Wealth asks, who is worthy of my investment? Poverty lives for today, but wealth leaves a legacy. Poverty fears the future, yet wealth makes history. God wants to bless the church. Deuteronomy 8.18, we're going to wrap up. I'm going to give you some points next week that I think are going to help. A path, a scriptural path to get out of poverty and to walk in a blessed life. Is that okay? It says, Deuteronomy 8.18, I read this earlier, but you shall earnestly remember the Lord your God. is God to think that we should put him first, you know? He's God. We need to put God first. And he says if we do that, he'll begin to open doors for us. Amen? But you shall earnestly remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So if you're struggling, you're under anxiety, propane is expensive, food is expensive, everything is expensive, Christmas is coming up and you're thinking, good Lord, I have to pay my bills, how can I get presents for my kids? I understand all that tension. But if you're feeling heavy tension in that area, I understand as a parent, I understand. We've had, I remember when I was in business, we had the up and we had the down. I like the up. I like the up. The down was a downer. But I, I seriously, and I mean this with all my heart, is in those times the Lord taught me how to pray and fast and find breakthrough. Pray and fast, lay on the carpet. I shut my blinds, I lock my door, I put on worship and say, God, you are the answer to my problem. You are the answer. You are the answer to my finances. You are the answer. You are the answer. And if I could get in contact with him, if I could touch the hem of his garment, he could provide. One little word from God on the floor of my office. One little word from God. There's a whole story I'll share sometime again, but that was the one that God whispered to me on the floor, and I did what he said. 
That day I did what he said, and God opened up. It was like uh, $400,000 in sales in just a few months for the company. Because I laid on the floor and connected to the one that can make a difference. Are you guys with me? He gives us the power. He gives us the power to come out of debt. Amen? He gives us the power to live at a different level. He gives us the power. Why? Because he wants the church to have influence. He wants to bless to be a blessing. Yeah, 11.57. Should we go home? Am I speaking to anyone here? We have to come to the point. Billy Graham did this. He had a roommate, if I remember right, or a friend that became an atheist, and it bothered him so much, and he warred in his mind. He said, I know God's real, but then I'm haunted with these things that God's not going to come through, and maybe God isn't. And one day he said, that's it, I'm done. I'm paraphrasing a long story. He took out his Bible, and he flipped through it. He looked at that thing, and he held it above his head, and he said, from this day on, I declare over my life, from this day on, this is the Word of God, and this is true. And for the rest of my days, I will serve God, and I will honor Him, and I will live by His Word, and I will never turn away again. And then God began to bless him. He got on the radio, he got on TV, and he won hundreds of thousands of people to Jesus Christ because he turned aside from that thing of doubt and he made a decision to trust God with all his heart in every area of his life. Let's stand up. My God shall supply all my needs. Um, as I was speaking, the Lord was showing me some of the things that were going on. And sometimes that'll happen. But there's this thing of a looming credit card debt that we're going to do some warfare and we're going to break the spirit of that thing. Amen? Uh, it's, it's sapping you of your life. And I see you like, like uh, you're an honorable person, but uh, there's more than one. There's many. But God wants to give you the faith to win that battle. Amen? It's a real thing. The Lord wants to give you faith to win that thing. Counsel, wisdom, and just plain miraculous things. God wants to help you win that thing. Uh, college debt, uh, we need to know that God is king over that too. Amen? Start putting your hand on that bill daily. Leave it out where you can see it. Put your hand on that and start declaring the scripture over that thing. Devil, you're a liar. I'm not going to be stuck with this debt with my, you know, for my whole life. I declare over this that my God shall supply all my needs. This will be paid off in record time. Do it. If he can use a fish to pay off his taxes, he can pay off your college. You have faith for it. Start declaring it. Start believing it. Let God speak to you. Some people are, in ups in, uh, are upside down in some, some different things. So he's just seeing in the Spirit. And the Lord said, call out to Him and get desperate, and He'll meet you. Call out to Him and get desperate, and He'll meet you in that thing. That's what I was seeing. He can, he can help you. Amen? Others want to start a business, but you're saying, I don't have the seed money to get there. Spend some time, meditate, pray, and see what he says. He's going to give you some small things, and it's going to launch big things. That's all I got. But that was right from the heart of God. If you feel like God is speaking, then watch online and get it in your heart. Next, next time I speak, I'm going to give you some principles to unleash those things, to open those things up. There's some biblical patterns, some biblical things that can help us in our life to live at a different level.
I'd like you to say this. Say, the Lord wants to bless me so I can be a blessing. Amen. Father, we just pray that you would come. Free us, Lord, from a poverty spirit. Free us from a poverty mentality. Free us from that, Lord. And help us to have raging faith again for the blessings of God. Lord, I pray that you would bless the church, that the church, not just our church, the church around the world, so they can have great influence, great influence, and can send out missionaries all over the world. Spread the gospel. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. Let your wind blow. We thank you, God. You are so good. I pray you bless the homes, bless the families with practical things, simple things, big things. But I pray that you would awaken faith in them for the finance, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you, Lord. Everybody said amen. amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss any new messages. To learn more or to get connected with us, please visit us at worldharvestusa.com. God bless you all, and we'll see you next time.